Blackberry Jam 8. Fire. Fire. She remembered the pile of smoke that drifted inland across the burning dunes. The thickening grey to black as the edges of the heathland and dwarfed woodlands were ignited by the wind and the hard August heat. The heat that reflected off the baking sands. She was following them, of course, but had stopped to see the ring of fire encroaching their blankets, their wind trap and picnic basket where they had intimately pulled each other deeper into the cupped and curved impressions of repeated passions, deeper again, further into the golden sand. She had heard her sister cry out like the gulls that swooped overhead. Heard his hoarse breathing, heard gasps and repeated ecstatic calling of her name. But they hadn't seen the flames, nor the bronze gold red of flames and fire that crackled and incinerated the sharp green blue tips of marmgrass, sending shots of flame into the crisp blue afternoon sky. Sally was in danger. And she didn't cur at all. She walked boldly towards them. He saw her first, sitting up instantly, pulling up his smalls, his jeans, nudging Sally as he did so. She saw her reconnect her bra over her jutting milk-white breasts, saw her jet-black hair swept back with a flicker of her hands saw her sister's eyes turn towards her. She could feel her eyes penetrate into the depths of her purpose, even from that distance. They burned like two black discs of hate. She continued to look, though, and reached down to her beach bag as she walked. She pulled back the cheap zip, losing eye contact for a few seconds as she pulled out the crossbow. A present from their Olympic champion father. She stopped, looked up at Sally, who, even at that range, had a stir that pouted and pushed her back in an attitude of, you wouldn't dare. She would, and she did. A few seconds passed. The wind eased a little again and then pushed inland. There was a crackling sound and suddenly a wave of heat hit her from the side. She ignored it. She ignored too the voice that urged her to run from the changing directions of the circles of flames around her. With calculated deliberation, she forced back the ratcheted wings until they were taut and hooked up. She looked again. Her sister now had both hands on her hips, her black hair waving in the wind behind her again. She had a blue t-shirt that flapped in the wind, her bikini bottoms accentuating her hateful curves, her slim hips and legs that seemed anchored in the light brown gold of sand. And he? He was nowhere to be seen. She placed the bolt in the groove, looking down for a fraction of a second. And when she looked up, Sally was waving at her or behind her frantically. She would never have understood which. And then again, she would never have looked behind her. That would have been to doubt her choices. 
Something wrong crossed her mind like a wave of recognition or intuition. Again, she ignored it as she raised the crossbow to her chest, then higher to her level of eyes and looked through the lines of sight to see her sister magnified. She steadied her breathing, waited, waited again. She ran over all the hatreds in her mind, the teasing, the ignoring, the name-calling, the doubts about her own sexuality, the death of her parents and the outrage of the one-sided will that cast her as incapable, immature, an incapacitated girl who had yet to show any promise. Then, the steady flow of partners, just to prove she could to her sister, the wild choices and extravaganzas of abuse she could muster to try and shock and maim her sister's own addictions. It was time to be released from all of that. Time to bury her dead past and her sister. Time to start again without her shadow. And she'd take him too while he was there. Shoot them both, drag them, let them be burned, or let them sink into the pools of quicksand. Let them both drown in swallows of sand and silence.